Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I f***ing love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Down goes Duffy O'Connor. Frank Mir does it again. Rock him, sock him, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, great to be back in the saddle. Nasojin Imavov. What is that? What did I just hear? Was that you? <laughs> it was. I, I believe it was, was Imavov pronouncing his name. Oh, thank you, Cody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're trying to set me off right off the top of the show. <laughs> Nasordin Imavov. We will get to that. But Ken Flo's haircut's going to lead the dance today. It's Monday, oh, February 5th, 2024, episode 464 of the Anakin Florian podcast presented by DraftKings. You can access full episodes of the show on the video side on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Clips can continue to be accessed on the Anakin Florian podcast channel. So we hope you'll subscribe to both of those. All right, Kenny got a haircut, folks. And if you're audio only, and we appreciate all those that still are just P1s listening all the time and not watching, but. Ken Flo, your hair looks fantastic. You had a lot of lettuce coming out the back. Seemed like your wife liked it, but uh, you have affected change when it comes to your top region there, Ken Flo. Why, why the haircut? And uh, you look like you've, you've aged in reverse like five years since I left. <laughs> Thank you, my man. I was looking a little homeless, man. I'll be honest. That, that huh. hair was tickling the neck a little bit when I tried to settle into bed. I, I had a bunch of like weird stuff. I get hot real quickly, sweaty, gross yeah. Uh, and, you know, I can only look like a bump for so long. I had to clean right. it up a little right. bit. Got a little sick and tired of it. The kids don't like it, though. The kids don't like change. So they kind of get right. a little bit freaked out. And uh, But I don't know. They're settling into the new change. And uh, I am as well. But as I was bobbing my head to the MC Esoteric DJ7L song that, that kicks off this podcast every morning, my head felt a little lighter. So that, that felt good. You look like you're 35 years old. You sort of trimmed down the beard a couple weeks ago. If some of our viewers were to go back to a couple shows ago, I mean, Ken Flo looked like he had been living on a bus in Alaska, eating poisonous plants right here, coming out the back and the beard and everything else. But you look good. It's great to see you. And we have a lot to get to today oh, and this week. No fewer than three episodes of the Anakin Florian podcast coming your way this week. That includes a watch party for UFC Fight Night, Hermanson versus Piper, live on the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel. So, once the co-main event between Dan Ige and Andre Feely hits at the UFC Apex, we will be live on the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel. My twin bro Jason potentially will join us. Big Ron Pellegrino likely to join us. Bilal Muhammad is on standby no. as well. Hopefully, we will get confirmation from Bilal before we get off the air today. Kenny Florian, of course, is going to be there. And... uh 
I'll be drinking fucking Basil Hayden and probably saying a bunch of stuff that I shouldn't. So watch party Anakin Florian podcast, YouTube channel this Saturday night. We hope you can be with us live. If not though, that content will still be repurposed as well. So Cody dropped the Nasordin Imava pronunciation file for you there. I didn't know what it was, but We've been doing a pronunciation of the week on this show for a long time, and I really don't want to be the pronunciation police, right? It's really like a public service that we provide. There are certain names, such as Polish names, like Joanna Jajcik. Those files are open to interpretation. And I did not intend, by the way, to do this today, but I'm going to do it because my producer put me on the spot. Joanna Jajcik is a name file and a name that is open to interpretation. She would tell you that none of us Americans with our mouths can even make the sounds that they make in the Polish language, right? So that is a file that is open to interpretation as long as you emphasize the right syllable. Imavov is not. So if you're hearing Imavov from people, to me, it means they're not practicing and they're not putting in the requisite effort to pronounce that name correctly. If I'm missing something at John underscore Anik, let me know. But I did push out a tweet this weekend, Kenny, because it just feels like to me pronunciations at the end of the day it's about effort it's about practice and if you practice 50 times saying imavov then by the time you get to the octagon you shouldn't even need the phonetics yeah absolutely man and you know listen it's it's a main event fighter right and you want to do your best to, to honor each and every fighter but um yeah it was funny just hearing the uh the pronunciation there yeah. imavov the 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 emphasis the emphasis was on the e that first one as opposed to imavov right so a right. uh, little bit of an error there well and i'm not calling out my colleagues necessarily right i'm not calling yeah. out the fan base necessarily there were certain people on that broadcast that absolutely nailed it every time they uttered it but that's uh, why we do it right i mean that's why yeah. we talk about the pronunciation yeah but I do have a phone call with the veteran voice of the Octagon, Bruce Buffer, later today. <laughs> you and Buff, like, talk about these? Yeah, we talk about them. We talk about them. Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy-schmancy tilt-sip smell routine, or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture telling the stories of rogues and rule breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes Wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes, the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. Sound the trumpets, ladies and gentlemen. It is horse racing time, so saddle up for action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. So right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. All you need to do, deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app, not now, but right now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code FLOW, F-L-O, only on the DK Horse app. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18 plus, 21 plus in certain states to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on a first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. All right, so UFC Fight Night, Dolidze versus Imavov. We're going to recap the shit out of that. We are also going to talk to 18-year NFL veteran Mercedes Lewis. It is Super Bowl week, but perhaps more importantly, he is a diehard UFC fan, and that's how I connected with him. So very excited to talk to the former Jacksonville Jaguar, Green Bay Packer, Chicago Bear, Mercedes Lewis. Also scheduled to join us. UFC welterweight contender Randy Ruboy Brown. He has a fan in Kenflow, that is for sure. So we'll talk to Randy Brown after one of the bigger wins of his career over the weekend. But I would like to begin, if we could, with this main event, Kenflow, Roman Delize versus Nasordin Imava. Now, this from Sean Sheehan. I reckon this will be hard to beat for worst fight of the year when all is said and done. Absolutely awful on both ends. Delize did absolutely nothing good in the whole fight, and him getting a scorecard isn't out of the realms of possibility. That's how bad that fight was. And those are two tweets from Severe MMA, Sean Sheehan, that I compartmentalized into one. So I woke up on Sunday morning and watched this main event without spoilers. And I watched the fight on mute. And I don't know if I was just enjoying my morning coffee and enjoying the grueling nature of this main event. But when I tweeted something positive about this fight, Kenny, the fans (laughs) came out in droves. So I guess I appreciated the grueling nature of it. Certainly, I could have done without some of the extended periods in the clinch. But I don't know, man. Like, I work out six days a week. And when I look at Roman Delidze, I look at a fighter who is digging deep and not giving up and still trying to win the fight late, despite perhaps a cardiovascular base that abandoned him. So I don't know. There was more for me in this main event than I guess there was for a lot of fans. I would like to get your thoughts on it if I could. Yeah, listen, I think that's interesting. It's an interesting perspective from Sean Sheehan as well. I think the key is, you know, you can't expect these great fights every single time out. And it's very important to understand the nature uh, of each and every fighter involved, right? The style, like the style matchups, what they're good at and what they're not good at. And if you're surprised that Delice looked sloppy on the feet, then you probably haven't watched a whole lot of Roma Delice fights. And maybe you haven't watched a lot of uh, Imovov's fights because he's extremely technical, really had the advantage there. Um, I think Delice looked really sloppy at times on the feet. That's probably had something to do with it. And Imovov, um, in my opinion, isn't necessarily known as a finisher necessarily. Can he finish? Can he develop into a finisher? Yes, I think he can. But at, at this stage of the game, he's not that one uh, punch knockout type artist that's going to get it done, especially against someone like Delete, who is extremely tough. I also thought, you know, I kind of disagree with Sean Chien in that I thought Delete had some really nice attacks on the ground as well and showed a tremendous amount of heart on the feet to withstand those shots. A lot of those shots, I thought, in combination, like some of those combinations, would have knocked out a lot of guys or at least TKO'd a lot of guys. Delete yeah. was not one of them. I thought he did a great job surviving. Was it the most technical fight in the world? No, but I don't think it was as bad as a lot of people expect. It wasn't right. nonstop action, all that stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of with you there, John. I'll take it. So, and I will admit, when I was writing my post on X and I wrote great, comma, grueling main event, 
I did pause for a second and thought of maybe another adjective like strong, grueling main event or whatever. And so I guess I was expectant that people would not be fully in line with me as far as my opinion was concerned. Uh, but I guess maybe I was just looking for the positive in that fight. And I do believe in Nasordini Mavov largely moving forward as a middleweight contender. I think styles make fights. It's a setback for Roman Delize. There's no doubt about it. I think there's a lot for him to work on. And I think a lot within these 25 minutes that he can make some adjustments on. Quickly on the scorecards, Ken Flo, Ron McCarthy, veteran judge, a lot of respect for him. He had it 47-47. He gave Roman Delize round two. He also gave Roman Delize round four, and that became a 10-8 round because of the knee to the head of a grounded opponent. So I did believe that rounds two and four were pretty close and could have gone to Roman Delize. Now, there were plenty of people who had a shutout for Nasordini Mavov. And I do think sometimes at times when the first round goes to Nasordini Mavov and it was unanimous to be sure, maybe in a close second round, subconscious has you level the playing field and give the other guy the round. I did give Roman Delize, yes, true, Florian. She can be here, Ken. It's absolutely <laughs> fine. This is actually something that will improve ratings. I said to my wife last night, so hi, true. So I had my last daddy daughter dance last night. Look at how good his fade looks. See, she came in. This is God's work. So we can see the back of your head. This is hilarious. Kenny's muted right now. If you're not watching, imploring his daughter to get out of the office. <laughs> so I had my last daddy daughter dance last yeah. night. Oh my goodness. Wow. And I posted a picture of me and my lovely daughter Tatum. Beautiful and uh, other than the one guy that said he was going to rob my house. <laughs> people really resonate with that content sometimes even more than what I push out a video for the Anakin Florian podcast. So hopefully true Florian brings the ratings today. Kim. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I believe we have our last daddy daughter dance uh, this year, I guess formal, you know, she's in ballet and doing all that stuff. Um, it's just me and her here at the house. She, she's actually not feeling well today. So uh, oh, hopefully that? she's okay. And hopefully my, my uh, wife is on the way as well. So I have the same issue. I have two kids homesick today. Ken Flo. Yeah. I got Hunter and Tatum downstairs. So thankfully, my lovely babysitter, Patrice, is here early, like two hours early and has my two children downstairs. But a lot of us do find ourselves in these situations, right? Calling my mom this morning, say, ah, I don't know. All right, we'll try to get the sitter here. So I got two <laughs> sick kids downstairs and we're uh, we're just kind of dealing with it. But Ron McCarthy had it 47-47. And... You know, Sean Sheehan certainly is my go-to when it comes to scoring because he's just the most well-read and prepared on it as far as I'm concerned. There are a lot of guys out there, Dan Tom and others, Scott Fontana from the uh, New York Post. But Kenny, like I'm okay with that scorecard. I know it's like a wow scorecard because Roman Delize didn't win this fight. Uh, you know, but based upon some of the inaction at times, you know, I think 47-47, even if I'm in the minority, I think it's defensible, man. I really do. Well, well, the only thing is, I would say that that first round is a pretty clear 10-8, in my opinion, for Imavov. Oh, yeah. So that, that's the only thing. Um, but you're right. I think rounds two and four, um, you know, I, I think there's an argument there. So I don't think it's so ridiculous as people think. However, uh, that's about as clear as a 10-8 for Imavov as he can get. I agree. So that's, where, that's where my disagreement lies. But as far as rounds two and four, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. All right. Yeah, that's a great point. That is a great point. I would agree with you on the 10-8 nature of round one. And uh, 
Our executive producer, Cody Merrill, says slowly losing my respect with these bad cards is Ron McCarthy. So, uh, yeah, I so uh, Cody speaking for maybe some of the fan base there. <laughs> so uh, in terms of spinning this thing forward for Nasur Dean Imavov, right? There are a lot of people out there. And later in the week, we are going to get to some comments from Robert Whitaker on the MMA hour when it comes to the champion Dracus Duplessis. But not unlike Sean O'Malley at Bantamweight, Kenny, a lot of middleweights believe they have the recipe to beat the current champion, Dracus Duplessis. So I'm not trying to spit it all the way that far forward, but uh, based upon what you saw this weekend, what are your thoughts on Nasur Dini Mavov and his UFC ceiling, so to speak? I think Imavov uh, can certainly be one of the best in that division. I, I think he's dangerous because he is very technical, uh, technical offensively. You know, I think that, uh, when you talk about a guy who has made great improvements as in regards to his takedown defense, which he certainly needs, um, you know, I, I think that's huge. Is he going to be extremely dangerous on the ground? No, but I think he's good enough to defend himself on the ground. Uh, they're not that the 185 pound division are filled with um, a ton of ground specialists. I think you have, you know, Hamza Chimaev, you have Bo Nickel, who are really well known for their takedown game and ground and pound and control. Um, but uh, so I think that they would certainly struggle against guys like that. But in regards to their striking, I think they're right up there with some of the best. You know, uh, Imavov um, has shown that uh, he is very well rounded as a striker, his hands, his clinch game. Uh, his ability to keep range on the outside. It was a little concerning that he was getting hit with some of those big shots by Delice, even when he was landing. Um, but still, I, I think that he wasn't really respecting Delice a whole lot. He certainly had a huge advantage. He was making Delice just look straight up bad on the feet at times. Like, like Delice didn't even belong in there at times. Um, so I think that's a positive sign because Delice is very dangerous. But I think more than anything else, not that I'm trying to swing it the way of Delice at this stage of the game, but I was more disappointed in Delice because I think at this stage of the game, he proved himself to not necessarily be elite. Like, I yeah. think he's got a lot, a lot of room for improvement when it comes to not only his striking game, but his takedown game. Uh, he, he just was, he was shooting, uh, you know, just off balance, didn't really have a whole lot of uh, ability to adapt to some of the takedown defenses of, of Imavov. Um, and when you have a guy in Imavov who's Yes, he's from Dagestan, but he doesn't come from that strong wrestling pedigree, which you typically see from fighters of that region. Um, that that can be a concern. Um, so anyways, great positives for Imavov, who continues to show his takedown defense, his ability to get off the ground if he does get there, his ability to avoid uh, submissions, um, and his striking is extremely sharp. I think Delice was lucky a few times in that fight that he didn't get taken out. Imavov also went through a training camp switch and seems to have... Uh you know, left no stone unturned in, in terms of trying to improve. He's 13 and three as a pro. He'll be 28 on March 1st. And yeah, maybe some regression for the Georgian Delizze, right? 35 years of age, had a huge knockout of Jack Hermanson the end of 2022, I believe. And uh, just hasn't been able to sort of consistently ascend the way some of these other middleweights have. And in a big year for the 185 pound division, got to think Nasordini Mavov is going to get a big fight. We'll see what happens with uh, some of the other up and coming contenders like Brendan Allen and everybody else. And I have also said to of Roman Delizze, you may remember me saying this in the past, in a fighter meeting setting, most intimidating fighter for me, Roman Delizze, right? 
Like, I just don't want to ask that guy anything resembling a stupid question, you know? <laughs> and I think some of that intimidation translates to the octagon. So a nice win for for Nasordini Mavov, even if the fans didn't enjoy most of the uh, aesthetic. Fans seem to like everything coming out of the mouth and the game of Hanato Moicano, money Moicano, Ken Flo over Drew Dober by unanimous decision. And there's a lot to unpack with someone like you with all your fucking stripes on your Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, right? But somebody like Drew Dober, one of the most decorated knockout artists in UFC lightweight history, but he had to be expecting and Elliot Marshall in his corner that it might be this type of fight where he was going to have to execute hip escapes and getting off from his back and out from underneath Hinato Moicano. He was unable to do so most of the night. And despite a lot of violence and blood intertwined within this fight, that was the story of the fight for me. Moicano just on a totally different level on the ground than Drew Dober. Yeah, I, I think more than anything else was kind of the lack of MMA IQ on the part of Drew Dober. Um, and, and I mean that respectfully because he's such a dangerous fighter, but I think that he wasn't making the proper adjustments in that fight. He had Moicano hurt in round one. You know, I picked Moicano. I, I thought he'd be able to take him to the ground and control him there, and it ended up working okay for me. However, I was extremely nervous the first few minutes of that fight versus Drew, Do Drew Dober because he was landing a lot of heavy shots. But when it came to his ground defense, fighting off of his back, not only was he not able to get back to his feet, but I also think there was a lack of efficiency there, which really hurt him late in that fight. He was expending a tremendous amount of energy, not only because maybe he was lacking some of that efficiency himself in his technique, but also Moicano fought brilliantly. He allowed um, he allowed Drew Dober to carry his weight very well. And because of that, he was spending a lot of energy pushing him off. He was putting a lot of weight very intelligently onto the arms or frames of Drew Dober. So Drew Dober was constantly bench pressing probably for the last two minutes of round one, which is going to tire you out, which is going to take away your power, which is going to take away your conditioning, which is going to take away your reaction time. So that fight, although it was by decision by Mo Moicano, was one in round one, in my opinion. Mm. A lot of things went wrong for Moicano in that fight, but the, his ability to switch it back over into his realm on the ground and tire out his opponent, I thought was brilliant, very smart, because Moicano, yes, he can strike, but he cannot strike on the level of someone right. like a Drew Dober. So this is mixed martial arts. This was beautiful to watch, the adjustments, the win for Moicano. And uh, yeah, it was, I thought it was a really fun fight to watch as well. And a lot of credit goes out to our man Pahumpa as well yes. in the corner, the American top team corner of Hanato Moicano. And largely given the matchup, Kenny, I think this is exactly what they figured they might have to do. Maybe you feel a little bit of what's coming back from Drew Dober early and then path of least resistance. So Hanato Moicano then takes to the microphone and continues to sort of advance his his profile in that regard, right? Like certainly you and I and a lot of the fan base has a wild appreciation for everything he does as a mixed martial arts athlete, but it's been his last two post-fight interviews, despite a huge gap between them, that is really what is resonating with this fan base. I think part of this post-fight interview with Daniel Cormier suggested that his 60-year-old father, 62, 65, uh, just became a father for the however many it's time. Uh, so there's just a lot to like when it comes to Monty Moicano and letting his personality after a big win lead the dance. You know, he had a lot to say after that fight, didn't he? Uh, it, it was it was hilarious. It was one of the funnier post fight 
uh, speeches that that I've heard in, in a little while. Um, the other one um, that's memorable was the one other one by Moicano. And you hear this guy in Money Moicano who's really trying to hype himself up a lot more now. He's really trying to take advantage of that microphone. Um, and I, I think it's a wise move. You only have so much time in this sport. And Hanato probably found out that if you stay a little too quiet and if you fight kind of like everybody else, you get blended in and, and you become just kind of one of many in the crowd. And I think this is his way of standing out, getting people to remember him. Um, I, I love the message. I probably would have gone without so many F-bombs if he's trying to tell people to be a little bit more aligned with God. But, hey, they, they, everyone has their has their uh, method yeah. of doing things. I, I think there's a lot of passion coming out of this guy. And you can see it not only in what he's saying, but also in the way that he's fighting. He is fighting it w- with more passion, I feel like, lately. And, and it's great to see, man. It's hard extremely hard just to get to the level of the UFC and to stay there for that long is even harder and to make a name for yourself and to separate yourself from a crowd, especially the insane 155 pound division um, is even more difficult to do. So props to Moicano for getting it done against a really tough opponent and for standing out uh, amongst a bunch of studs in that division. Well put. And I agree. Passion is really the buzzword when it comes to Hinato Moicano and this resurgence, so to speak. So number 13 in the world, I mean, there are obviously a lot of big names above him. Jalen Turner there at number nine. Sometimes, right, it's about getting guys ranked above you to actually sign on the dotted line. He does have a lot of teammates and connective tissue within that lightweight top 15, right? Armand Sarukian, Dustin Poirier among them. But uh, American top team certainly uh, making its presence felt in that lightweight top 15. We are going to talk to Randy Brown later, so I'm going to table that for a moment if I could, Ken Flo. I do want to ask you, if I could, about this accidental eye poke from Ali Askab Hizriev to Mahmoud Muradov. I'd imagine you saw it. The fight ends unceremoniously. No contest due to the aforementioned accidental eye poke at 11 seconds of round number one. And I guess for me, I'm just glad that Muradov didn't continue to compete. Like, I feel awful for both parties, right? Ali Askab Hizriev hasn't fought in a long time. I know you built a big parlay around him and everything else, right? But like you can't fight with one eye. And when it's an eye poke that is seemingly as severe as this one, Laura Sanko nicely saw what she thought was a corneal abrasion and the doctor sort of backed that up. But Kenny, like I do feel like a lot of men and women are bullied or pressured into fighting on and there's just no upside. And I'm just glad that even if we don't have the perfect gloves or the perfect recipe to get rid of these eye pokes, I'm just glad he didn't continue because when there's one this severe and I'm on a hot microphone, you can be sure I'm going to be suggesting that the fighter, you know, live to fight another day. Well, I think Michael Bissom would probably tell you to hold his beer uh, as he fights with right. one eye. But right. yeah, no, there's not a whole lot of people that, that can do that or should do that, right? I think that when you're facing a guy like Hizriev who is extremely dangerous, who I think was a very tough matchup for him because of his wrestling and his speed on the feet. He might not be the biggest middleweight in the world, but his speed and his wrestling and his control was going to be a problem. Make no mistake about that. Um, and I, I think that you know every win, uh, every fight in the UFC is extremely important. Why would you jeopardize that at this stage of the game? Why would you continue? It's extremely unfortunate. It ticked me off, but I think for Muradov, uh, he made he made the right choice here. He made the right choice, um, and I probably butchered that last name there, by the way. But uh, I think it. I think that um, you know he made the right call. You you don't want to 
uh, go into any fight compromised on that level, right? I mean, you need both your eyes to, to compete at the highest level. And uh, why would you continue under those circumstances? I, th- I think it was the right call. Unfortunate, but it, it was the right move to do. Couple other big winners on the night. Molly McCann with just a fantastic strawweight debut. And I might sound like a simpleton when I say this, but Kenny, she was just not going to be denied on this evening. And certainly she has fallen victim to the arm bar prior. And yep. she just said this came after the hardest stretch of her life and career and uh, just got to feel good for meatball Molly McCann, Ken Flo. Yeah, well, it's always nice when you see someone uh, who's able to come back and show that they are working on their ground game um, and to kind of turn the tables in that manner and actually get the arm bar herself, uh, I think must be a huge motivator for her to, to at least know, hey, maybe I'm not perfect on the ground, but I am getting better. And that work that I'm putting in is paying off. And as I mentioned, you know, looking at this fight from the outside in, I thought that Belbita certainly didn't have the ground game to challenge someone like Molly McCann and, and be a threat there. It was Molly, I thought, that, um, you know, did a great job on the ground. Um, I, I think she's going to have to continue to work on that to, to not only have that as, as you know, a, a defensive mechanism for her game, but also as a way for her to be offensive and be a threat down there. And she showed, she showed that she can be that getting back on track with this kind of win, I think is g- going to be huge for her confidence moving forward. More on Molly McCann coming up in the Ray Longo minute later in the program, but it is Super Bowl week as well. To that end, if you are looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58, look no further than DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can bet on the big game and turn five bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. So the 49ers Two-point favorites over the Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday. So many proposition bets available as well. I've been hammering the touchdown market since they were released. I'm going to have so much action on Sunday. It's actually disgusting, but you can too. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code AFPOD. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code AFPOD. The crown is is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That is 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, I'm very excited, ladies and gentlemen. Very excited because now with us, live on the Anakin Florian <laughs> Podcast, a man who has supported me and my career from afar for a while, big-time UFC fan, but more importantly, 18-year NFL veteran, former Pro Bowler. <laughs> in 2022, he was inducted into the UCLA Athletics Hall of Fame. Mercedes Lewis is with us. My man! What's Shady up, my guy? And you're giving me good energy today. How are we doing? I'm doing amazing, man. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're doing well, man. And uh, it's probably overdue to have you on the show, to be sure. I did want to get you on during Super Bowl week. We'll get a prediction from you later. But I want to talk about Mercedes Lewis, if we could. And you know I was looking up the pronunciation of your name last <laughs> night. So yeah. I couldn't actually find footage of you saying your name. But I do have it on good authority, if my research is accurate, that it is indeed pronounced Mercedes and not Mercedes like the Benz. Is that right? Correct. All right. Had to get that out of the way. So yeah, now you always do a really good job with names. I feel like <laughs> even just when I watch the broadcast, I mean, 
I feel like since I've been following the UFC, uh, I've gotten more uh, aware of just like different countries and names, how things are pronounced, and uh, Pereira and Padilla. And Look at this it, guy. It's, it's, pre it's pretty crazy, but you do an amazing job. My man, well, I was actually looking for a Sunday night football video of you when you guys actually say your names as the starters, but I couldn't find one. If the viewers don't know, Mercedes Lewis, no tight end in NFL history had played more than 17 seasons until you broke that record last year. You completed your 18th season as a member of the Chicago Bears. Career began as a first-round draft pick out of UCLA after you won the John Mackey Award as the nation's top tight end, taken by the Jacksonville Jaguars, 28th overall in 2006, 12 seasons in Duval County, then five with the Green Bay Packers. And then you just wrapped your first season with the Chicago Bears. You've talked about your health and your ability to avoid major injuries. Is there anything that you point to as, as the ultimate key to your longevity and health? Because uh, obviously you're setting records, man, and there hasn't been that major injury that has, you know, taken away a full season for you. Yeah. I mean, if I had to, if I had to be honest, man, like it's one of those things, like I don't have the blueprint, uh, but all I know is I just always have stuck to it, whatever it's been. Right. And it's about just having a routine uh, and just, figuring out how to reinvent yourself every year and every day, right? Like nobody cares about what you did last month and nobody cares about what you did last year, you know? Like it's just one of those things. So it's all about you having a process and understanding that can't nobody slow it down or speed it up but you. And for me, I've had the same routine for the last 15 years. Uh, obviously, it's, it's one of those things where you can take stuff out, put stuff back in, I mean, it's it's different uh, for everybody. So it's uh, it's definitely been a blessing and um, something that, you know, I don't take for granted for sure. So May 19th is your 40th birthday. Uh, <laughs> I know your desire to win a Super Bowl uh, is still there. Um, I'm not looking for any breaking news in terms of your immediate future, but I believe you are an unrestricted free agent after wrapping up a one-year contract with the Bears. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I'm definitely... Uh, Going for season 19. I am what? a free agent as of now. And uh, yeah, man, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a few teams in the mix. Obviously, uh, being in Chicago was amazing. Um, and especially when you win ball games, it's nothing like being in this city when you win. Uh, oh. So uh, it was definitely a great experience for me. You know, when I see someone with, with your level of success and, and your longevity, your consistency, I, I'm always curious, you know, to, to hear you speak. And, and you're great on the mic, you know, after a game, hearing your perspective. Where do you get this from? Was it something you kind of learned on your own from kind of trial and error over the years of competing? Was there a family member or a mentor who, who kind of helped you along with this? Where, where do you get that, man? Uh I just think experience, man. Like I, I uh, experience, be honest, stay true. Um, for me, it's always been about uh, staying true to my process, right? And being able to look in the mirror and confront that truth. And whatever that is, when you confront that truth, you experience great growth after that. And so I've just always uh, been a guy to just keep it real, be honest about my feelings and what I'm going through. And, and it's always come out in the way that I intended it to. The beautiful answer, man. Um, so what got you into, into mixed martial arts? And, and uh, you know, what, do you remember the, the first event or the first fight that, that you saw? Yeah, so 
I, I'll, I'll make a long story short. Uh, this was in 2011. Um, I got voted to my first Pro Bowl. And uh, Jay Glazer, he was already a really good friend of mine. Uh, this is back when the Pro Bowl was still in, uh, in Hawaii. And so I'm at the pool, my family, Jay shows up with Chuck Liddell. Chuck Liddell, Chuck Liddell walks up to me. He's like, uh, yeah, man, I'm going to need an extra body to train with. I'm like, well, first of all, I'm not about to be a heavy body. So you, can just, <laughs> you can just forget that. Like, I don't know about all of that. But anyway, long story short, we get back to L.A. Uh, and this is when uh, Jay was at uh, one of the gyms, you know, training. And then he was like, hey, I want you to come down to True Warrior. And True Warrior, True Warrior Fitness was off of uh, Melrose and Bread. So my first opportunity to actually like train was with Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture showed up that day. And so Chuck is teaching me striking. Randy is teaching me, you know, the the basics of wrestling. Right. Uh, and then Tyron Woolley walks in. And so Tyron Woolley starts teaching me just the, the basics of like uh, like boxing, like MMA boxing. Right. Uh, and so from that day, I got addicted. I think my first three months, I just felt like super stiff and super just like, man, I don't know how I'm going to get better at this, but that's what kept me coming back every single day. And so three months turned into six months, right? And then six months turned into nine months. And here we are 13 years removed. And, you know, it's something that I do in the off season that that's really kept me uh, functional. Uh, my reflexes, uh, people always ask like, man, how, how do you, about my blocking? Like, how do you uh, do certain things and certain techniques? Like, in the NFL, right, everybody's big, strong, fast, long arms. Like, the physical stuff is there. I think the biggest part of, like, uh, was M what MMA has taught me is just, like, the mental side of it, right? And uh, being able to push through that wall where nobody else will. And, uh, you know, I attribute, you know, working with Chuck and working with uh, Glazer and working with Couture for that because that's, that's, you know, that was the basis for, uh, what I was getting ready to do for these next following years. And um, yeah, man, it, it's just, it's been a blessing. And I think after that, uh, I ended up running into Lorenzo Fertitta, I want to say maybe three years after that. And he kind of, you know, was a mentor for me and took me under his wing. And then when Lorenzo stepped away, I mean, obviously, you know, he put me in contact with Dana, you know, me and Dana are really good friends. So uh you know, I've, I'm pretty much grandfathered in at this point. <laughs> and uh, it, it's been a really good experience, obviously. Uh, you know, I have, you know, my favorite fighters. A lot of those guys, are, you know, are my boys and were my boys before they won belts and stuff like that. So uh, it's just, it's been an honor to be a part of. Uh, obviously, it's one of those things that, you know, playing in the NFL, it takes so much, like, uh, just mental fortitude just every day, Right. And knowing that, like, your days can get monotonous and sometimes you got to reach out to different sources for your inspiration. And uh, the UFC is one of those. And, uh, you know, looking up to a lot of my, my guys that go and get ready for camp and do weight cuts and all of that stuff. Like, it's it's something that, like, to the naked eye, you'd never understand. Uh, and it's something that I, I've really respected over time. And, yeah, man, that, that's that's the story. <laughs> That's not bad, John. He gets introduced to the sport by Randy, Chuck, and Tyron. That, I mean, right. And you can do worse than Lorenzo Fertitta in the yeah. fucking Rolodex as well. <laughs> Mercedes Lewis with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So actually, the last event you attended, what was the last UFC live event you attended? Do you know? Uh, I knew John you had a Wi-Fi password that night. And of course, yeah. <laughs> not, 
Uh, oh, so it was UFC 285 then? Yeah, it was John Jones. Uh, I think it was like March 4th or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I that was something that was I had to make that fight regardless of what I was doing. I, I know I had to make that fight. Um, and so, yeah, I flew out to Vegas for that. And then afterwards, uh, you know, hung out with John for a little bit and Chandler and Arthur. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, whenever I can, obviously when I'm back and forth with my team and training and stuff like that, but whatever events I can make, I'm definitely there. So sometimes in some of these locker rooms, NFL or NBA, the UFC fandom sort of comes from one guy like Boston Celtic, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and then all of a sudden some of the other guys become fans. Any connective tissue with your teammates or any of your teammates watching this stuff like you are or not? Uh, and when I was in Jacksonville the first 12 years, it was maybe like two or three guys. Yeah. Uh, but they, they didn't really get it at that point. Right. Uh, I mean, I got drafted in 06, so it was them guys didn't even know what was going on at that <laughs> point as far as the UFC is concerned. But when I got to Green Bay, it was probably about a good five or six guys that would always come to me and ask me for my analysis and who I thought was going to win. Fight. I love it. Uh, and then, obviously, when I got here this year, uh, I would say maybe like five or six guys. So in those five, like normally in those small groups on different teams that I've been on, they're like true fans, right? Like there are guys that will watch, but don't know what they're watching, don't know right. the rules. Guys are on the ground and 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 grappling and the jujitsu part of it. And they're like, you know, why are they holding each other? I'm like, bro, you you really have <laughs> no idea. It is and it's way more intricate than you could ever imagine, you know? And I think, you know, from that side of it, what they don't understand, like I understand it in a way that it's just different. I see it. I see it different. And uh, I mean, even just the grappling and the jujitsu side of it alone is what's always kept me coming back because it's such a there's always a, a solution. Right. If you can be patient and breathe and, and, and get through different positions with technique and stuff like I enjoy watching that, you know, because it, it, it's uh, you guys make it look easy. Like when when Ken Flo was in, I mean, you just make it look easy and it's not easy. Like. There was a time where uh, I trained with a uh, Frank Trigg and he was taking me through a series of like the triangle choke, the arm bar, arm plata. Like he was just taking me through just a series on the ground. And like he, like just the way he was explaining it was just like, yo, it's so, it's, it's just so much deeper and so much information that you're taking in that like when I do retire, that's something that like I really want to like sink my teeth in because it, it's, I'm still going to want to be competitive and I'm still going to want to do it, but obviously not be taking a pound on my body. So I look forward to that as well. I don't know how much forethought you gave to this interview, but perhaps you thought you'd be asked a question about competing in celebrity boxing or grappling. It would seem to me that there wouldn't be a lot of familial support for you to get punched in the head. Right. I don't know that that makes a whole lot of sense, even if uh, you'd probably do quite well in that setting. But you just mentioned the grappling. I mean, could you see yourself actually competing in boxing or grappling or mixed martial arts when your NFL career is done? I think if it was a situation where I wasn't so long in the tooth, for sure. Like if my career was the average, like three right. years, I, I would probably be uh, probably in the UFC by now, right? Like I, 
I just feel like now I'm just older. So the grappling part is something that I, I want to do and get from, like really familiar with and train, you know, year round and not having to go back for season and all of that. Uh, but the boxing side of it, it, it just doesn't really interest me because I'm not trying to get punched in my face. You know what right, I mean? Right. Like I just, I just don't feel like the, I don't right. feel like the, the money is there for that. You know what I mean? And, and considering where I would start from, right? Like I would be, like I would just be an amateur. And I just, I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, take the, put those miles in my body at this age. No, that makes a lot of sense. I got a few more minutes here with Mercedes Lewis. I just fucked up your name there. You see that? So this record feels unbreakable and maybe you don't even want to talk about it necessarily. Right. But in UFC circles, we talk a lot about some of these records and some of them feel more breakable than others. But, you know, I went through all these high level, high profile tight ends and the notion that someone would get to a 19th season. I don't know if this is just my way to compliment your career, by the way, had a touchdown on Christmas Eve, so he's still getting it done. But it's just incredible. I don't know that this record, 19th season pending, is ever going to be broken, especially at the tight end position. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Like, I, I mean, you know, I, it's one of those things like you you get so uh, obsessed with the process and, you know, sometimes you forget to just take a deep breath and really appreciate yourself and your work and what you've done. And um, I'm very aware uh, of what I've done, uh, but I'm more so excited about uh, what I'm doing, like in this moment. And I've always been present about that. And I think that uh, is the reason why I've done what I've done is because I, I'm able to synthesize things very well and compartmentalize like what matters right now, right? Like my, like, life in general is all windows, right? And you only have a certain amount of uh, time to get things done. And um, I've just always been, uh, always been able to uh, keep that at the forefront of my mind. Like this is most important, right? Like the going out, the drinking and doing all of that, that'll always be there, you know, like that. But it is, if it's not conducive to me being the best player that I can like possibly be, uh, then I'm just not interested in it. And so uh, I'm just very grateful uh, for the opportunity to uh, show that it can be done. Uh, and, um, you know, here, here we are again with another offseason and uh, potentially going to get that 19th year. So I'm, I'm hype about that. Can't John, wait, this is, man. John, this is a martial artist in an NFL uniform. I'm telling you, That's the way right. that he talks, That's the right. way he thinks about it, I love it. No, I'm getting the 89 jersey framed up. I don't know. I think we probably got to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars jersey right here in the home studio. But I didn't realize quite how robust your UCLA career was until I went down a rabbit hole last night. You know, I remember your name acutely coming out of college, but I didn't quite realize just how unbelievable your collegiate career was. All right, I got two more. In terms of your UFC viewing habits, Evan Longoria, longtime Major League Baseball player, you know, still in season at whatever hour finds yeah. time to watch all these live events. Like, what are your UFC viewing habits like either in season or out of season? So in season, uh, you know, obviously when we're traveling, I always have my iPad. Right. So after meetings, normally meetings at the at the hotel that we're staying at normally starts when the main event starts. So it's like normally let's just say if the main event starts at seven Eastern. And we're East Coast time. Uh, like I'll have my iPad and I'll just have it hooked up and then I'll just rewind it. But I'm I'm pretty much tapped into the pay-per-view. I watch all the fight nights. Um, 
and whatever I don't watch, I'll watch. Like, let's say if I'm on the road and I didn't get a chance to watch it, I'll come home and then either turn on my fight pass or I'll just go to ESPN2 and just watch it when I get home. Uh, because I'm always up late after games anyway because of the right. adrenaline. Like, it's when I get home, my adrenaline doesn't – it doesn't run out until maybe, like, 3 in the morning anyway. So, and then I watch the fights, go to bed at, like, 2.30, 3 o'clock, and then I'm waking up at 7, 6.30 because I can't sleep because of the adrenaline. <laughs> right. So, it, it, it's crazy right. how that works. It's amazing. All right, real quick, 49ers, two-point favorites over the Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl 58 this Sunday. You guys did play the Chiefs this season – Forced to make a pick, or are you back in the AFC champion, or uh, do you like San Francisco as the favorite? It's it's really crazy, man, because I, I I really like both teams. Um, it's hard to bet against Mahomes. Um, that guy lives in the in the postseason. Uh, he he has uh, equity in the in the Super Bowl at this point, uh, so it's hard to bet against him. It's really going to come down to San Francisco's defense. Um, their defense is uh, really good. I think in years past, uh, they've been great. I think this year they've been trying to, you know, figure some things out. Um, but it's going to come down to their defense and and can they keep Mahomes uh, in the pocket and and not, you know, going crazy out there? Uh, then I, I think San Francisco can get it done. Uh, I just think that as a total team they, they have more to work with um but again kelsey mahomes you know they've always gotten it done so it's going to be tough but i think i might go san francisco this time all right my man you heard it there from the 18 year nfl veteran mercedes lewis thank you so much for coming on man in the extended time congratulations on a truly remarkable career uh and just for all the encouragement and support for the ufc fighters for myself we appreciate you Wish you all the best. Can't wait to see the news when you sign for that 19th season. And uh, anytime you want to come on the program, we'd love to have you back, brother. No, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you guys for everything, man. And I'll be in touch, man. I'm around. My man. Okay, brother. Number 89 in your program, number one in your heart, Mercedes Lewis with us on the Anakin Florian podcast. What a fucking legend, Ken Flo, huh? It's so impressive, man. I, I, I love hearing him talk. Again, just a real intelligent human being, very down to earth, very humble. You look at everything he has accomplished, man, in that position to be in the NFL for that long. That's insane. That's something special. And I probably should have gotten a UFC 298 prediction from him instead of a Super Bowl prediction, but he was ready to bring it with the analysis on that. All right, Ray Longo coming up in 60 seconds, but Lucy is upping the nicotine pouch game with breakers. Pouches packing a little something extra inside. So what are Lucy breakers exactly? Well, if you know your pouches, you know the nicotine does not hit immediately and neither does the flavor. Well, the geniuses at Lucy came up with a brilliant way to fix both of those problems. You put a mini liquid capsule inside each breaker's pouch. You grab yourself a breaker's pouch, break the capsule. Yes, with your teeth actually makes a pretty satisfying pop. Put it in your lip and enjoy the immediate nicotine and flavor release. It is a new kind of pouch technology, and it is only available from Lucy. 100% pure nicotine, six delicious flavors, including unique ones like apple, ice, or espresso, and also some classics like mint or mango. So break up with your dusty gas station pouches and go to lucy.co slash afpod and use promo code afpod to get 20% off your first order. Lucy offers free shipping and has a 30-day refund policy if you change your mind. That is lucy.co and use code afpod to get 20% off and as always free shipping. 
Here comes the fine print. Lucy products are only for adults of legal age and every order is age verified. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Speaking of addictive, let us get to the star of the program in the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Lucy in the sky with pouches. Huh. Oh, yeah, baby. We're going today. We're going I mean, running. you just, you just got Lucy to re-up for another six months with that melody. <laughs> yeah, baby. Lucy oh, in the sky oh, with pouches. Kenny will take the chorus. Oh, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> what were they talking I, about? I, in think, that song? I think we got him off the rails already, Kenny. Looks we like do. Looking. Ray Longo Minute every week on the Anik and Florian podcast. My man, how we doing? Good. How's the haircut look? It looks okay. I think you could have gone a little bit shorter. How about Ken Flo's really? fucking haircut? You see this guy? Yeah, look, Ken Lee's always That's handsome. A little fade going on. Wow. Yeah. Well, I just learned That's what a fade was the other week. The rat tail's gone in the back. Wow. Classy. So I met Ken Flo in 2007, which is crazy, right? I met him in Somerville, Massachusetts at Mac Delagrati's place, right? And oh, wow. therefore, anytime Kenny would show up at ESPN with like a skin fade or a short hair, I'd be like, dude, you look great. Like, why, why don't you keep your hair like this all the time? You know, but men and their hair, it, we all have our own issues with our hair, right? I have been essentially bicking my head bald since I was 14 years old, despite the fact that I have a full head of hair, right? I'm just trying to be the most confident version of myself. And I feel like this makes me look tougher. And that's why I shave my head. <laughs> But I, you know, I, I mean, you look good, Ray. I just think you could have gone a little bit short, like you have hair coming down over your ears. But if that's the desired effect, you look great. I don't know. It's not over, is it? That's all right. <laughs> so, uh, dude, we just talked to uh, 18-year NFL veteran Mercedes Lewis. So we apologize for uh, for being a few minutes late with you, but uh, what a fascinating individual and a really accomplished guy. And it's just really cool, I think, to see a lot of these NFL and NBA and major league baseball players and athletes loving on the UFC, right? They're obsessed with this watching 40 plus live events a year. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Plus the thing, like I, t- I told you, we had a, a bunch, a couple of the islanders. And so even the hockey guys, man, I mean, obsessed <laughs> yeah. with it. I know when uh, Wolfstrom hurt his knee and he was out, he said, oh, I, when I talked to him, so oh, all I'm doing is watching fights. I mean, so then, yeah. They're really into it, and like uh, Kenny said, the guy spoke uh, spoke beautifully. Uh, he, he really, you could tell he's he's passionate about watching, and he's into it. And you know, that's it's fantastic. You know, you know, it's even more fantastic that what's that? We've been doing this for like thirty years at this point. Yeah, <laughs> coming up on the nine year anniversary of this program. That first week wow. of April, we started in twenty fifteen, and Ray Longo, of course, was a part of that episode. By design, Ray Longo Minute literally dates to episode number one. So I've got a few things to get to with you today. I certainly want to get your thoughts on UFC fight night, Imavov versus Delidze. But Aljamain Sterling was on the MMA hour and he was talking about now fighting at 145 pounds. And I just feel like not only are these quotes telling, but humbly, I've been trying to tell our viewers like the extent to which Kenny, this dude stared death in the face, right? Cutting down to 135, right? And now finally, he's essentially going on the record and it almost makes his accomplishments even more impressive. 
Here's the quote. Just the thought of it cutting down to 35 again gives me a headache and makes me nauseous. Like people tell me I wear it well and I don't look like I'm hurting. Oh yeah, it's such a great weight cut. I'm like, I'm literally dying inside. I could poker face it all I want because mentally that's just the way I've always been. It's like, you don't show weakness in that way. You always try to show people that you're good even when you're not. But I know I've been hurting for a very very long time. And I even think that my past performances have kind of not been the best because of that. And he's very excited about competing at 45 and even talked about just being full of energy enough to like engage the crowd, you know, like, I don't know, man, like it brings up a whole greater weight cutting conversation, but I just hate that he's been suffering so long, you know, and I'm glad that he's going to get the chance to compete in the UFC at 45. Yeah, no, uh, look, I don't think anybody look at that's not my field of expertise that i try to stay out of that but i don't think anybody enjoys weight cutting <clears throat> especially when you've done it over and over again you're getting older <clears throat> and you're as jacked as aljo i mean that's yeah. the fascinating part to me is like where is he getting the weight where is it coming from like the guy's all muscle you know when you see him in some of those pictures he's just he's shredded so uh yeah i think this is uh, exciting if and uh, and again you know, perception is reality. So he, if he's really feeling that, and you know, he could actually, you know, he's telling you, I get nauseous just thinking about it, which if he could trigger that type of response in him, that's pretty crazy, man. So I'm happy for him going up. Uh, you know, I just hope he doesn't go up so much that, that this weight cut will then become, make him nauseous thinking about it because he's got to stop. He was, I'm telling you, huh. yeah. I, the last time I, I saw him a couple of weeks ago, He's, he's huh. big, man. He's big. Yeah. So we don't want to hope that doesn't happen. But he's a he's a very smart, intelligent guy. So I'm sure he's he's well this this will be well thought out. I remember when I cut down to 45, looking so many interviewers right in their eye and having the balls to go, this is probably my easiest weight cut. Like like saying yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff that dramatic. You know, yeah. like you have to come up with these things, not only to like put out, I guess, disinformation for your opponents. You know, you don't want your opponent to know this is the worst weight cut you've ever experienced, right? So, you know, it, there's that aspect of it, but also there's like the convincing of yourself, like, yeah. hey, I, I, I'm going to do this. I got to do this. So it's tough when you have, you know, um, you know, an organization like the UFC with so many great fighters, you have to look for any edge you can. And, yeah. you know, it's not like Aljo's the only guy having a tough time right. down to 135 pounds. These are massive individuals across the board in all weight divisions because yeah. everybody is looking for every little advantage that they can. Why? Because it matters. Yeah. And I know we've told the story a thousand times, John, but when he first made 45, he wasn't looking. He might have been I, I wasn't there when he was looking anybody in the face. I, I thought, you know, when that when that when that guy was asking me, you gotta fill out the W nine, it's gotta be done now. He did I'm saying there was no response, John. I'm yeah. literally and this um I'm very vivid on it, you know, short memory better my short term memory. Because I was sitting next to him and that guy didn't leave him alone. I and finally they get to the point, hey buddy, get the fuck out of here. The guy you're like hey, like he had no team with him, which is on this one. The other crazy part it was Kenny, me, and Weidman just sitting there. And he didn't, I'm saying he didn't say a word. There wasn't a syllable yeah. that came out of his mouth. And I, yeah, he and was he don't, effectively he really dead, right? Is yeah. that what you're telling me? He that he like, came back to life. Yeah, right. I can tell you one thing he didn't say, buddy, can I do it after the weigh in? Um, you know, <laughs> zero. Right. <laughs> right. He's, 
I'm telling you the truth. He's probably even downplaying it a little bit, but nothing, yes. nothing came out of his mouth. Nothing. Yeah. He might have raised an eyebrow. He did, when I got rid of that guy, he didn't even say thank you to me. He put his hand on my knee and just, you know, clapped down like saying like a horse. <laughs> Ask a horse how old he is, and he takes his hoof and he starts pounding it. That's what it was. Yeah. I'm not. There's no. I'm not John. No, I'm not laughing. He's laughing, right? He had lost all verbal communication ability. I do. You know, I always lean into the Ken Flo stuff. So more on this in about 10 seconds. I just want to let everybody know. Randy Rude Boy Brown, after a big win, is scheduled to join us here in a few minutes. So if he's on schedule, Ray, we'll keep you uh, for our entire conversation with Randy and then time permitting, get to some other uh, Chuck Buffaloes and things like that on the back end. But I believe on the MMA On Point YouTube channel, there is a video right now, and sorry if I have the credit wrong, on the 10 least hittable fighters in UFC history. And I was actually going to save this for our episode later in the week, but I'm leaning into it right now because... Kenny, I wonder if you were not statistically one of the 10 least hittable fighters in UFC history and you had been knocked out or concussed at 145 pounds or even absorbed some appreciable damage. I mean, you sort of slipped when Diego Nunes hit you in that featherweight fight, but you didn't take a lot of power shots to the head in your two UFC featherweight appearances. But I wonder, had you, if maybe there would have been some regret for putting your body through all of this, right? Because I know we can sort of laugh about it now, but like inside, I'm not laughing, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Listen, man, I think that um, at 145 pounds, I think I would have seen some of those shots coming, like like the shot that Diego Nunes threw on me that dropped me to a knee. I think it was at the end of the third round or something like that. Um, I, I think those shots, not only would I probably seen coming, but I, I don't think it would have done the same kind of, uh, would have had the same impact on me if it was at 155 pounds, for example. Maybe I, I don't know. Yeah. Um. But you know, when when you're cutting that much weight, you know, I remember just having, I felt fine, but my body would just give out. Like I just kind of dropped to one knee after getting hit with that shot. And uh, I'm sure a lot of it had to do with with the extreme weight cut for sure. All right, we're gonna yeah. go full wide right now, Raymond. If you could table yeah. that thought for a second, because with us yeah. on the best line, look at hey. this guy. Yeah, this guy. And you'd expect him to have a great setup, of What's course. Up? About What's forty-eight up? hours after his twelfth UFC win, UFC middleweight welterweight contender, excuse me, Randy Ruboy Brown. Ruboy, congratulations, my man. We appreciate the time. How are we doing? Thank you, man. Thank you. What's up, everybody? Thanks for having hey. me, man. What's so, up, uh, I sent Ken Flo the video. So, were you awarded your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt after this win? Is that what happened? Yeah, man, like crazy, crazy. That that superseded everything of the night for me, man. I was <laughs> <Yeah>. like, damn. <laughs> I know Kenny's happy to hear that, and I'm glad that that we didn't bury the lead. So I know you've been brown belt for how long now? Man, I don't even know. I might have been, <laughs> been a brown belt for about six years, maybe more at wow. this point. I thought wow. I was never going to get four stripes. I was just, he just had me sitting there. I was like, all right, I guess I'm not showing up to gi enough for something. <laughs> So what conversations did you have with your coach after the fact? And why was now the time? Any idea or what do he say? I think that for him, I was ready oh, for a while now. But I think it was more so also a thing where it's more it's more than just a physical thing with him. You know, he was like, all right, I know you've been prepared. I know you're a black belt level skill wise and you have the knowledge, but it's more than that. And I want you to be somewhere mentally where I know you could be and you have the potential to be. 
And I just want to see that from you. And I want to see that amongst you and the other guys in the gym and just the way you carry yourself and, you know, how you handle certain things. And you've seen me do that and, you know, just watch me grow up. And then he felt like that was the time to do it. Randy, I, I think over the course of your career, that's what not only myself, but I think a lot of people see is that you see these flashes of brilliance, you know, from you. And now I think with that last fight on Saturday night, um, you were able to really put it all together into a complete, really a, a perfect performance. Uh, do you feel like you were able to kind of, I know, I'm sure you have more to show, but do you feel like that was one of your more complete performances so far? Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I've always known about, you know, that I've, the things that I'm capable of in the gym. And it's, it's always, I've been always wondering if I was one of those guys, because you always hear people say, well, Oh, man, some guys are in the gym. They're amazing in the gym. And when they show up, they just, you know, and I always started to question myself at times. I was like, maybe, maybe I'm one of those people that people talk about, man. I'm, I'm the best guy in the gym. And then when I go out there, I just can't perform. And, um, and I, I believe that just came with experience and time for me because, um, my other coach, uh, Ty, he always says, my problem is I have so much in my utility belt and I get in my mind, I get like, I want to try this and then I want to do that. And then now let's try this and now let's do that. And now let's do that. And then I'm never focused on like, Hey, do this thing works. Stick with that. It works. Do it and continue to have success with that. I'll have success and I'll just start doing some other thing, you know, because I want to put on a show and I want to create and show art and show so much, you know, whereas just go get the job done and be effective and be efficient. And I started to just kind of, you know, hone into the things that I do really well and just focus on one thing at a time and not, overcomplicated. I think that was what was probably most clear, Randy, is that your, your fundamentals were so clean. Like, I think a lot of people get caught up in, I guess, kind of what you're saying and using all these flashy moves and doing this and doing that. When the reality is, is like, if your stance is good, your balance is good, and you're just throwing the right strikes at the right time, man, everything is going to take care of itself. And to me, it just seemed like there was a lot of substance, like real martial arts going on with your performance. And, and it showed, uh, uh, is this one of those fights that you can build on and, and get tougher competition and, and kind of start breaking into, you know, showing people that you're one of the top welterweights in the world. Absolutely. Without a doubt. You know, that's something I've been adamant about for a long time. And I mean, if, and I think that the people, if they know anything about the sport or not even just the sport, if you know anything about martial arts, I mean, look at me. Um, I have the skill set. I am a competitor. I'm one of the top guys in the world. It's just a matter of putting me in position to get me those fights. And if I get those fights, I'll show. Yeah, and uh, I, I can attest, Kenny, in the gym, he is a legitimate badass. There's no question <laughs> about that. So, but, but real quick, good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. But uh, For sure. stick with whoever, uh, whoever taught you how to throw that right hand like that, stick with that guy. Whoever <laughs> that guy is, because if you want to see a picture perfect, follow through just look Nasty. where his body ends up like full commitment that's the way to throw a right hand period yeah so thank congratulations. you congratulations that looked beautiful like it was blown away by that really nice i appreciate it right thank you Rude boy, Randy Brown with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So that Jack Della Madalena fight seems so in the rear view mirror now you've won six of seven and for fans like me, right, who have been championing your cause for a while, we're just excited to see you now get these big fights. And I have no doubt that you're going to get a big fight. 
I guess I would just ask a question about like Michael Venom Page versus Kevin Holland at UFC 299, right? Yeah. Like if they need someone to step in on a couple weeks notice, right? I'm here. To what I'm extent here. can you be that guy? Um, 100%. 100% I can be that guy. Honestly, even if they need a backup for the fight, whatever. I know they typically don't do that only for title right. fight. But I'm here. I'm that guy. And honestly, winner or loser, I'm here. You know, even a guy like Wonderboy, I think would be a good matchup. You know, yeah. I think that whole synchrony of guys right there, I think that I'm right there with them. And I think just stylistically, you know, I make things really interesting with me in the mix there. Michael Chiesa was one name on the tip of your tongue. And I know you sort of had to have talked about his inactivity. The record is what it is. Certainly, he has a number still that potentially you would like to grab, I think, 14th in the world right now. And I guess for you, I mean, not putting words in your mouth, but you want to make sure that this fight happens expeditiously, right? Like you're not going to wait half a year to fight Michael Chiesa. Uh, but it seems like he does have some appetite for the fight. Is that right? Yes, uh, we spoke, you know, and uh, I mean, we've spoken so many times at this point, you know, but uh, this time it seems like he's, you know, he's he's actually down, you know, and uh he said he wants to get it done. He said 300 is a little bit too early, but he'll be down. And listen, it's not me just locking in on him and saying it has to be him or nothing. Right. I mean, no, I just want to fight in the rankings, you know, and I think that the reason why him is just he hasn't been active. And I'm a guy that believe I believe that you have to prove that you are worthy of being I that you're the top 15. You're the top guy in the world. You got to prove it. You know, all right. the guys, when I'm in the rankings, I'm going to fight anybody to prove and defend my my. uh you know, my, my number, you can't just kind of just sit around and just say, Hey, well, I did this back in the day. So I'm the top guy. Right. No. And your division has been challenging in terms of top 15 guys making the walk, right? I mean, certainly Neil Magny deserves a lot of credit for always being ready to go and being the promotional workhorse, but for one reason or another, uh, guys like Jeff Neal and Colby Covington, on and on it goes, right. Guys who have had extended absences. So I don't know if this is a fair question. Like, how much time do you really need to be able to make the weight? Because part of the reason I bring up MVP and Kevin Holland is that even if neither guy is ranked, right? Like, big fights are on the horizon for you. And sometimes it can just be as simple as, right? Like, Gilbert Burns and Jack Della Maddalena fight that night, right? Like, if Dorino yeah. can't make the walk, you know, I'd love to see you I and Jack run it in back. a rematch, right? Let's so, run that back. how much time sure. do you need to, and how ready can you realistically stay without burning yourself out? Um, I make weight pretty easily, contrary to popular belief. People think I'm really oh. big. I got these skinny legs. You know what I mean? Um, I make I make weight pretty easily. So um, I that's a that's a huge possibility. That's All a right. massive possibility. And right. I mean, I'm not a guy that's I get I blow up and balloon up after fights. I'm typically in shape and ready to go. So right. if they need someone. I'm I'm ready. I'm here. All right. Good. I'm trying to manifest this. I don't want anybody yeah. to get hurt, but I just see a lot of no, listen, welterweights. And, and I'll tell you this. John, I'll tell you this. I mean, and and people are gonna take this however, but you know, in that Jack fight, man, I, I got caught, man. And not it's not taking anything away from Jack. Jack is an incredible athlete, an incredible fighter, but I zigged when I was supposed to zag and I veered from the game plan of what I should have, the way I should have approached it for my coaches. I I took a punch that I couldn't recover from in time and he jumped on my back. And I'm I'm telling you, we fight again. It does not play out like that. I promise it. I love it. I can't wait to see it if it does materialize. Randy Ruboy Brown, we appreciate the time. Congratulations. Is that artwork of one of your submission wins behind you or is that a painting? Oh, yes. It's a painting by uh, by by Baines, Ross Baines on, yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, he, he did that one behind you. He did That's that right. one. 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, I got a Discord, and uh, in my Discord, they got it for me for my birthday. The community, you know, so it was pretty cool. Amazing. Yeah. Well, it's great to see you back in your studio and. Quick win, the bonus and everything else. Congratulations, my man. We look forward to big things for the rest of the way in 2024. And I know you were born in Springfield, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So us Massachusetts guys, we're still going to claim you, bro. <laughs> it's all good, man. So even though I was only there for a couple of days in the hospital. But I know. It's all I know. Good. <laughs> it's not like Pisa Torres. But hey, we appreciate you, man. Uh, have a great rest of the week. And uh, we'll see you in the not too distant future. All right. Much love, y'all. Thanks for having hey, me. You see you, man. Take yeah. care, Randy. There he is. Randy Rude Boy Brown with us here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. Ken Flo was so excited after what he did this weekend. It sounds like, Ray, so were you. Oh, no. Listen, that right hand was, was throwing. Just, I watched the follow through, man, with a long, lanky guy. What I'm confused on is he's saying, contrary to popular belief, he's not big. The guy's huge. Okay, how's no, it's, a, it, it's a tough. Nah, it's I, not as tough a cut as maybe you would believe because he's six three. You know. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you asked that, John, because I I would think that guy has a horrible cut because he's big, man. He's a big, big kid, man, at one seventy. But um, John, before I forget, too, I got a couple of things. We had fights Please. this weekend. Please don't raise your eyebrows at me. No, I, we had fights this weekend. <laughs> Matt's wife fought her first MMA fight. I got to give her yeah. a shout out. Here's a girl that, like again, Matt will tell you, never played sports in high school. She's like three and zero in kickboxing. She fought her first MMA fight. I think she's forty years old. Just wow. a beautiful person. I I don't even know what I'm looking at. Like when I see her, I like I can't believe this. Like wow. you know, because she's a great mother and she jumps in there. She loves the crowd. Uh, got her first MMA when that's over the moon. He's wow. happy, and uh, that was it. They, he also had Tommy the Giorgio fight. Great kid. Uh, he won. I had three guys fight Dave, Check, and um, Donnie uh, D Money and. Uh, Okay, uh, Donnie, Donnie getting it done. Ray can't yeah. remember your name, but way to yeah, go, right, Donnie. Right. <laughs> no, Donnie had checked one, and Dave had a split decision loss, but he did great. And uh, I know Steve Lee thought he won for sure. So uh, it was a great night for everybody. But I had to throw that in there because I tell you, Ann Surrey just blows me away. I mean, it's all That's families. amazing. He's got a jiu-jitsu family now, Kenny. It's crazy. His That's daughter, unbelievable. His daughter man. Angie's killing it on the, on the jiu-jitsu scene, and she's dialed in. She's wrestling. She's... She's boxing, she's kicking, she's doing jujitsu. Wow. And she's a young girl that's got a really, really bright future ahead of herself. So shout out to the Sarahs. Congratulations to Ann Sarah on behalf of the entire Anakin Florian podcast team. So we were able to affect change, by the way, Kemflo, when it comes to Tisha Torres's introduction. Right now it is, you know, wherever in Colorado, by way of Fall River, Massachusetts now. Tisha honored that command from me or that polite request from me, right? But she also has family still in the state, right? Randy Brown has no ties. He was born in Springfield, Massachusetts, because there was probably a hospital there. And then he went back to, you know, <laughs> New York or wherever. But uh, congratulations <laughs> to Randy Ruboy Brown. So, Ray, I just wanted to hit on a couple more things. Oh, Sorry shit. about that. <laughs> I thought you fell, Ray. I thought we had no. another John Anik seat sturdy. collapse. I'm sturdy. Look at, look at John. <laughs> that scared the piss out of me. I no. I actually oh, started no. a TikTok page this weekend, and I couldn't believe how many videos there were of me falling out of the chair. I thought you just <laughs> perished on live TV. I like that TikTok. We got to get in there. 
Wow. That was something. Oh, yeah. Anakin Florian podcast t- coming to a TikTok application near yeah. you soon. Killing it, Kenny. So, Charles Radke, Chuck Buffalo with a big knockout on the main card. Natalia Silva by unanimous decision over Viviani Araujo. Uh, Chuck Buffalo is a great nickname, a big win for him as underdog. I do caution guys, though. When you go bonus chirping, more often than not, you don't get it, right? Let your action do the talking. But Chuck Buffalo is uh, is on the rise, Raymond, don't you think? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Wait, the Buffalo, so no bonus for the Buffalo. No bonus for Chuck Buffalo. Uh, Fight of the night was Charles Johnson and Azat Maxim, but I'm probably butchering that name because I did not watch the fight, nor have I ever met that individual or listened to his file. Performance bonuses, Randy Rude, Boy Brown, of course, and uh, Meatball Molly McCann getting a fifty thousand dollars bonus as well, right? Right, that was bad. So, so I missed the Molly fight because uh, I had I, we were doing fights on Long Island, so, right? Uh, but I saw most of the other fights. I saw Randy's, obviously, which was 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 unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, and I think that that Silva, what's her name? What's Natalia her? Silva. I tell you, she looks. She looks like she's got something, man. Those she kicks are coming strike, out. She, and she can move. And, you know, she gets her hands a little more powerful. She's a problem. But she's got the speed, Kenny. And she's got the balance when she's moving. She can take those kicks out of nowhere. Uh, she's a, she's a, she's a little bit of a problem, I think. Because that girl, the other girl's very aggressive. But, man, when you're eating those front kicks to the chest and the face, it's just interruption and it. I think it just finally breaks you down. That that girl looked really good to me. Yeah, I think she's really good, Ray. And I think that there's very few people, man or woman, who have a style like hers. Yeah. And just that alone makes her very unique and very difficult to approach. But, man, yes. she could strike. Very exciting. Uh, and I'm very interested to see how, how she advances her career in the future. I think she's going to do good. She looks like she has, has a good mentality. So she looked good. I thought she yeah. looked good. Hit a little, got stuck against the cage in the first round, but she came out guns blazing, man. Like, yeah. You know, it was almost like an attitude like, all right, you help yeah. me get, now I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? And it was, totally. uh, it was, it was nice to watch. All right. A couple more things with Ray Longo before we let you fly. Super Bowl is this Sunday. Will you be watching? Uh, no. See, my question's so concise, you can't even take a sip of the fucking coffee, right? <laughs> so you won't be watching the Super Bowl. You'll be training or doing what uh, yeah. what a lot of martial artists do, which is not watch the NFL. Ken Flo's probably going to be watching. I'll watch. So, uh, and then the only other thing I had on my list, Ray, so this is the third successive week in which you have joined us from your little private toilet room. Is that accurate? <laughs> this, I'm... I'm, I'm- I'm testing out areas to see where we're going to put the equipment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a big so, decision for me. Yeah. I mean, this isn't a, like a this is a like a portable thing, though, right? I don't have to be. Uh, my, it, I wanted to use one of my kids' bedrooms, but that didn't go over big. So <laughs> I think I'm going to be back in the den. I'll send the pictures over, but I don't know. I try. I'm, I'm, I just want to make sure whatever we end up with, I don't waste anybody's time. To be honest with you, so. and we sent we sent some duct tape as well for Lucky. <laughs> uh, let me tell you something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but, you know she had pancreatitis, so I'm hoping that maybe that was part of the problem. Aww. I don't know. Okay, we're, we're we're healing her back. Yeah, we're not going to off Lucky, right? Lucky stays. I so, gotta tell you, man. In go terms ahead. of, go ahead, go ahead. No, nah, I was going to say it's between the podcast and Lucky. 
Oh, don't do that. Don't <laughs> no, no, no. We're no, probably not. not it's probably not going good for us. <laughs> so, but is is your dog the reason why you're trying to figure out where to locate yourself oh, for this show? 100%. So there's no way to like, oh, I guess you don't live in a, a warm climate. I mean, is there any way that we could uh, repurpose Lucky outside or maybe take Lucky for a walk? Your appearance is usually 20 minutes, right? How yeah. long is a dog walk? Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's she's getting old i can't i can't figure it she's doing weird things i can't think this net john if i tell you how many years have we been doing the show almost nine right no i'm saying for eight and a half years she sat right next to me for every episode wow and then out of nowhere she starts ball i mean it's crazy every episode yeah. right that's just sat there didn't say a peep yeah uh, so I don't know. Cody's dog Scuba is Scooby. a part of the episode, but Scuba snores, so we've had to uh, lessen Cody's on-air influence because oh, of that. But Ray, the equipment is on the way, and a lot of our listeners and viewers think it's like a bit that we're trying to keep going, that you have audio issues or uh, twisted yeah. up headphones, but it's not a bit. Ray's yeah. setup is going to be uh, is going to be impressive, and thanks to Will Berger and Cody Merrow and, and everybody else. And yeah. I guess uh, we could start paying our listeners, Cody, suggesting rover.com to to have somebody come to Raymond's house in Garden City, New York, wherever you are. I'm not going to reveal the actual time, right? Uh, Jim's in Garden City. People look that up, but did we just lose fucking Ray? I mean, you can't even make it up. Lucky you probably hung it. up. It's fine. But yeah, maybe we will hire a dog walker to come get lucky every Monday, really? Not a bad idea, huh? That's it. That, that will work. Trust me. Will that work? I All think right, it's, it's obscene. In the I think it's obscene, but that that will definitely work. <laughs> All right, this it's in the budget. At this little bastard's driving my life crazy. Huh. Uh, All right, on that note, I think we're going to let you go. But we appreciate the extended time. You know, I didn't intend to butcher the schedule a little bit, but thanks for hanging out, uh, Randy Brown, yeah. and everything else. And uh, unless you got any parting shot, uh, we will talk to you next Monday for a pay per view week. Do you want to give us a prediction on Jack Hermanson and Joe Pfeiffer coming up Saturday night? Oh, I got to go with uh, Joe Pfeiffer. Be Joe Pfeiffer. Yeah, be Joe Pfeiffer. I mean, all right. One thing I'm going to ask you. Go ahead. Yes. No. Can I just ask you one more thing? No, ask me 10 more things. We're good. The UFC Apex as a fight venue, right? It, it makes, at least for me as a fan, these events feel a little bit smaller. I'm not going to say it feels like a regional promotion, but it feels less watchable it feels less big to me is there any of that for you or are you just such a rabid ufc fan that uh you don't care if this is in cincinnati ohio or the ufc apex well i'd rather have it at the apex than cincinnati ohio <laughs> but uh yeah you and probably all my broadcast partners right yeah yeah no i you know yeah yeah you kind of yeah I, I don't know i you know what it is like you know we did the tough series so you know you fought at the house you know i don't know i don't mind those small i don't mind it at all if that's what you're asking but yeah. i do what i mind is that i do think some of the fights should have twenty thousand people screaming and let the fighters really get that 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 part i'm going to say i don't like about it right uh but it is it does present like an old business atmosphere, which I like, you know, just go in and fight and forget about the other bullshit and the TikTok and the Instagram. And I like it like a bare, you know, bare essentials type of place. But uh, yeah. 
What are we laughing about now? No, what nothing. We- I want to hear what Kenny has to say. Okay. I, well, I, I just thought it was funny. You know, you talked about Cincinnati, Ohio. I mean, Brian Pete, we cannot show this episode of Brian Petrie. He'll be very upset. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you're going to really piss him off. Hey, Ray, we love you. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next Monday for the pay-per-view, huh? Wait, wait. This is this isn't pay-per-view this week, is it? No, it's not. No, okay. next week we're gonna hit you hard. Yeah, Eddie, baby. Pay per view. Robert Whitaker, Paolo Costa, and everybody else. Come on, man. We got hijinks and Anaheim coming up, John. Can't I wait, ex- buddy. Expect, Let's go, Ray. I expect to spend a lot of time with you. Hey, oh yes, I'm gonna That's see you out there. May Rob Dwellish, Willie, and Henry yeah. Sudo. All, All right, right, buddy. Take it easy, guys. See you, Ray. Thank you, buddy. Take care. Thank you. The Ray Longo minute every week here. On the Anakin Florian podcast, and if you do want to support the show and initiatives like getting Raymond equipment for his gym and his home, you can go to johnanik.com. 20% off all your Anakin Florian podcast merchandise with the code One More Sleep. So we appreciate that very much. And honestly, we have tried to build out a staff as best we can, right? We've hired my twin brother to help us manage the business. We got Will Berger helping out on the production side alongside Cody Merrill. Of course, our fine handicapper, Brian Petrie and Ray Longo and everybody else. We're investing in the show, right? You see the studio here and everything else, right? We are continuing to invest in the show and that's a great way for you to support us. Also subscribing on the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel. Don't forget the watch party coming up this Saturday night. And also just want to shout out if I could, maybe I'll go on the three shot. Ash and the bulk man love the, uh, the Cody's like, what are you doing? Nice engage. It's a collaboration between Muhammad Ali, his family and the style bender Israel Adesanya. So thanks to the engage folks for sending out the gear in advance of UFC 298. We are back on Wednesday with Brian Petrie main event challenge, full predictions for UFC fight night for Manson V Pfeiffer. And then of course the watch party over the weekend. Thank you to our guest, Mercedes Lewis. Randy Rootboy Brown and the inimitable Ray Longo for Ken Flom, John Anik. Thank you all very much. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Until then, you'll fucking leave. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.